Chapter 44 of The 45 Guardsmen by Alexandre Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter 44. How the King of Navarre guesses that Tyrrhenius means Turenne and Margotta Margot. The King of Navarre's room was not very sumptuous, for he was not rich and did not waste the little he had. It was large and with his bedroom occupied all the right wing of the castle. It was well, though not royally furnished, and had a magnificent view over meadows and rivers. Great trees, willows, and plains hid the course of the stream every here and there, which glanced between, golden in the sunlight or silver by that of the moon. This beautiful panorama was terminated by a range of hills, which looked violet in the evening light. The windows on the other side looked on to the court of the castle. All these natural beauties interested Chicot less than the arrangements of the room, which was the ordinary sitting-room of Henry. The king seated himself with his constant smile in a great armchair of leather with gilt nails, and Chicot, at his command, sat down on a stool similar in material. Henry looked at him smilingly, but with curiosity. "'You will think I am very curious, dear Monsieur Chicot,' began the king. "'But I cannot help it. I have so long looked on you as dead.' that in spite of the pleasure your resurrection causes me, I can hardly realize the idea. Why did you so suddenly disappear from this world? Oh, sire, said Chicot, with his usual freedom, you disappeared from Vincennes. Everyone eclipses himself according to his need. I recognize by your ready wit that it is not to your ghost I am speaking. Then more seriously. But now we must leave wit and speak of business. If it does not too much fatigue, your majesty, I am ready. Henry's eyes kindled. Fatigue me. It is true I grow rusty here. I have today exercised my body much, but my mind little. Sire, I am glad of that. For ambassador from a king, your relation and friend, I have a delicate commission to execute with your majesty. Speak quickly. You pique my curiosity. Sire. First your letters of credit. I know it is needless, since you are the ambassador but I must do my duty as king. Sire, I ask your majesty's pardon, but all the letters of credit that I had I have drowned in rivers or scattered in the air. And why so? Because one cannot travel charged with an embassy to Navarre as if you were going to buy cloth at Lyon. And if one has the dangerous honor of carrying royal letters, one runs a risk of carrying them only to the tomb. It is true, said Henry. The roads are not very safe, and in Navarre we are reduced, for want of money, to trust to the honesty of the people, but they do not steal much. Oh, no, sire, they behave like lambs or angels, but that is only in Navarre. Out of it uh, one meets wolves and vultures around every prey. I was a prey, sire, so I had both. At all events, I am glad to see they did not eat you. Ventre de biche, sire, it was not their faults. They did their best, but they found me too tough, and could not get through my skin. But to return to my letter. Since you have none, dear Monsieur Chicot, it seems to me useless to return to it. But I had one, sire, but I was forced to destroy it, for Monsieur de Mayenne ran after me to steal it from me. Mayenne? In person. Luckily he does not run fast. Is he still getting fatter? Ventre de beach! not just now, I should think. Why not? Because you understand, sire, he had the misfortune to catch me, and unfortunately got a sword wound. 
And the letter? He had not a glimpse of it, thanks to my precautions. Bravo. Well, your journey is interesting. You must tell me the details. The one thing disquiets me. If the letter was destroyed for Monsieur de Mayenne, it is also destroyed for me. How then shall I know what my brother Henry wrote? Sire, it exists in my memory. How so? Sire, before destroying it, I learned it by heart. An excellent idea, Monsieur Chicot. You will recite it to me, will you not? Willingly, sire. Word for word. Yes, sire, although I do not know the language, I have a good memory. What language? Latin. I do not understand you. Was my brother Henry's letter written in Latin? Yes, sire. And why? Ah, sire, doubtless because Latin is an audacious language, a language which may say anything, and in which Perseus and Juvenal have immortalized the follies and errors of kings. Kings? And of queens, sire. The king began to frown. I mean emperors and empresses, continued Chicot. You know Latin, Monsieur Chicot. Yes and no, sire. You are lucky if it is yes, for you have an immense advantage over me who do not know it. But you... They taught me to read it, sire, as well as Greek and Hebrew. You are a living book, Monsieur Chicot. Your majesty has found the exact word. A book. They print something on my memory, they send me where they like, I arrive, I am read and understood. Or not understood. How so, sire? Why, if one does not know the language in which you are printed... Oh, sire, kings know everything. That is what we tell the people, and what flatterers tell us. Then, sire, it is useless for me to recite to your majesty the letter which I learned by heart, since neither of us would understand it. Is Latin not very much like Italian? So they say, sire. And Spanish? I believe so. Then let us try. I know a little Latin, and my Gascon patois is something like Spanish. Perhaps I may understand Latin without ever having learned it. Your Majesty orders me to repeat it, then. I beg you, dear Monsieur Chicot. Chicot began. Frater Crissime. Sincerus amo quo te prosequibator, Germanus noster carolus nonis, functus nuper, colerusque regiam nostrum et pectori meo pertinaciter ad heret. If I am not mistaken, said Henry, interrupting, they speak in this phrase of love, obstinacy, and of my brother Charles the Ninth. It is very likely, said Chicot. Latin is such a beautiful language that all that might go in one sentence. Go on, said the king. Chicot began again, and Henry listened with the utmost calm to all the passages about Turenne, and his wife, only at the word Turenius, he said, Does not Turenius mean Turenne? I think so, sire. And Margota must be the pet name which my brothers gave to their sister Marguerite, my beloved wife. It is possible, said Chicot and he continued his letter to the end without the king's face changing in the least. "'Is it finished?' asked Henry when he stopped. "'Yes, sire.' "'It ought to be superb.' "'I think so also, sire.' "'How unlucky that I only understood two words, Tyrrhenius and Margota.' "'An irreparable misfortune, sire, unless your majesty decides on having it translated by someone.' "'Oh!' 
No. You yourself, Monsieur Chicot, who were so discreet in destroying the autograph, you would not counsel me to make this letter public. But I think that the king's letter to you, recommended to me so carefully, and sent to your majesty by a private hand, must contain something important for your majesty to know. Yes, but to confide these important things to anyone, I must have great confidence in him. Certainly. Well, I have an idea. Go and find my wife. She is learned and will understand it if you recite it to her. Then she can explain it to me. That is an excellent plan. Is it not? Go. I will, sire. Mind not to alter a word of the letter. That would be impossible, sire. To do that I must know Latin. Go then, my friend. Chicot took leave and went, more puzzled with the king than ever. End of chapter 44 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia